Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hello, my name is Emma Hinkbein, and today I'll be reading 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10-17. through You, however, know all about my teachings, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuilding, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Emma, thank you so much for reading the scripture for us today. We appreciate you doing that so much. So, last week I said something about uh, we are working toward uh, adding another worship service that would be in Celebration Hall at a later date. We're working on those plans as a staff, but there is a a part of that that I just need to uh, bring back to your memory because it's been a while since we've uh, worshiped together, uh, right? I mean, we have more and more now, but it's kind of been a while. And one of the things that we have on Sunday mornings that is critical to us having effective worship and to be a joyful community is having people who will volunteer, especially ushers. Now, we think of ushers as the people who stand at the door and hand out bulletins and the people who pass the offering plates. Well, you might have noticed we don't do that anymore. I, that day's kind of gone, right? I mean, COVID has changed that. Anymore, when we say we need people to usher, what we mean is people who will welcome people into a joyful community that strives to live in love like Jesus, who will be that welcoming face, hold the door open for somebody, assist somebody if they need help, that especially for people who visit a church for the first time, did you know that most of the time they've made up their mind within the first minute or two if they're going to come back? The first minute or two. So that usher plays a critical role in welcoming people into this joyful community. If you can help, please talk to Pastor Dale. Uh, He would love to establish a list and develop a rotation going on so so that you don't feel like it's a life sentence, right? right? But that you do this on occasion as we all serve in God's name as we gather for worship. So uh, uh, Pastor Dale would love to talk to you about that. So today is the next to last Sunday of the story. Golly, it's just crazy, right? It's just, uh, we started the first Sunday of September, and here we are. Next Sunday, first Sunday of May, we will be done with the story. And so one of the things that uh, we've talked about in the story in terms of a way to understand and interpret the framework to understand the Bible is that the Bible is a story from beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation. And in that story, you is contained an upper story. That's God's story. That's God's initiative's God's intentions, God's intervention, God's purposes. And then there's a lower story, and that's where we humans live. And in that lower story, we have choices to make. We can say, yes, I'm going to align my life with uh, what God intends, God's upper story, or I can make decisions to go do my own thing. 
And the story, the Bible, is, is that repeating itself time and time again because the good news, see, of the Scripture is that included in the upper story is that even when we make bad decisions, do bad things, stray away, God's grace reaches to us because God so loved the world. God's grace reaches to us, offers forgiveness and reconciliation so that we can be restored in a right relationship with God. Genesis to Revelation, that's the story, played out time and time again. And so along the way, we've often talked about aligning our lives with the upper story, choosing to pattern our lives after the upper story. Well, now we're, we're deep into the New Testament, right, where we think of Jesus as the embodiment of the upper story. Jesus as the embodiment of the upper story. And so, so another way to put it then, to live by the upper story, is to live our lives after the teaching and example of Jesus. Live our life after the teaching and example of Jesus. So the question for us to think about today is, how is it you really learn that? I don't just mean learn about it. How do you learn to live your life after the teaching and example of Jesus? So, we'll come at it a couple of different ways today. One of them, uh, think of somebody in your life that's been deeply influential in your faith. If you can, think of a specific person, that, a person that was really, really important and influential in your Christian faith. Now, some of you might have thought of a pastor, and that's really nice. I'm really glad that you did. I mean, really, that's kind of what we're here for. But because it's what we're here for, I want you to think of somebody else. Think of somebody who's not a pastor. Think of somebody who's not a pastor that was very deeply influential to you. Maybe somebody in a mentor role. Maybe somebody uh, that could have been when you were going to school as a kid. Maybe a youth group leader. Maybe a Sunday school teacher. Maybe somebody you worked with. Somebody deeply influential. Now, what was it about them that, that impacted you so much? What was it about them? Now, often when we think about that, we think of it, generally it'll, it'll, that answer will be in a couple of categories. One is, well, it was something they said. It was something they said. It might have been that they were a Sunday school teacher, and they said some things teaching Sunday school that you were like, you know, mind blown. It could have been someone in a, in a conversation when you were, you were saying, man, I've just, this has been a really tough time, and I don't know what to do, and I, you know, I'm kind of starting to wonder if God even cares. And somebody says something to you in that moment, and you remember that moment, that word, the words they said in the moment, and it changed you. Now, another category that we often think about is that we think of somebody who was a great example, right? They were a role model to you. They lived the life. Man, when you think of someone who seemed to be a faithful Christian, man, it was that person. It's what they did. Now, what's really powerful is when it's someone you remember who, where those two things come together. They were someone who truly lived the life. Their credibility was sky high. They were faithful as far as you could see. They were a faithful Christian, and there was something they said to you. And man, when those come together, that's really powerful. Well, that's kind of what we see in this letter to Timothy from Paul. Now, Paul at this point is uh, near the, he's at the end of his career and, and near the end of his life. This was, uh, would have been in the late 60s, not the 1960s, by the way. The late 60s would have been, you know, well, maybe the year 66, 67, something like that. He's likely in prison in Rome. He will be executed not much later by Nero. And so he writes this letter to Timothy. 
Timothy, who is a third-generation Christian. I mean, the first generation, of course, were those who were around the apostles, those who converted to Christianity, Jews and Gentiles, early on. And then, and then they had kids that were converted or, or just other people along the way later were converted to Christianity, and then they had kids or helped convert other people. And so Timothy would have been in that third generation because Paul speaks of the grandmother and the mother and now Timothy. He's a third-generation Christian, and Paul is like a mentor to him. And so this letter, 2 Timothy particularly, is like Paul saying, well, Timothy, I know I don't have much longer, so I really want to make sure I say these things. Important words that Paul has for Timothy. You might have seen the, uh, a saying uh, on, on uh, bumper stickers. You might have seen it on social media uh, that I've seen uh, lately is, uh, don't just go to church, be the church. Don't just go to church, be the church. And when you hear that, it, it sounds great. We're like, yeah, be the church. But what is that exactly? I mean, today, here and online, we came to church. Isn't this being the church? What, I mean, what is it? If this isn't being the church, what is being the church? What the saying is getting at is, is that when we are not here on a Sunday morning, online or in the room, that we extend the work of the church into the world we live in. That we, in, that we embody the characteristics of the people that God has called together to be God's special witness in the world when we're out in the world. So I'll put it in churchy language. Churchy language is, it's about learning what it means to be a disciple and what it means to make disciples. It's about what it means to be a disciple, a follower, a student of Jesus, and to make disciples, to interact with other people in such a way that they too become a disciple and a student of Jesus. That's, that's what this is all about. Don't just go to church, be the church. So going to church, in a sense, is going to the training facility. You ever thought about that? We're the training facility here. Because we come together, certainly for our own strength, for our own encouragement, for our own learning and growth, you bet. So that when we leave the training facility, we can be church to the world. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing. And here we say that that means we will seek to be a joyful community that strives to live and love like Jesus. Now, we're not going to just live and love like Jesus, the people in the room. But all week long, we're going to live and love like Jesus to people maybe we don't even know yet. They're friends we haven't met yet. This is what gets at what Paul is saying to Timothy. It's not just about saying... God loves me and that feels so good. But God loves me and that feels so good so that we can be church in the world. To live, he's telling Timothy to live and minister with people so that the people can embody the faith in their lives. And Paul says, take what you have heard from me, what you have seen in me, and teach and live that with others so that they can also make disciples. 
So we'll come at this from a different direction. In a, in, a, in a realm that some of you might be familiar with, in many workplaces, you talk about in terms of your organization, how you function is you talk about systems, right? Systems theory. And, and, but it's really, there's really a pretty simple way to look at it. In any organizational system, you have input, throughput, and output. Those three elements. Output is the desired result. That's what you want to see happen. That's the product you're making. That's the development you want to create in a person. That's, that's the end result. And then you have the throughput, which is the process that you in, use to get there. The input is just gathering the information and the data and having incoming people. And so you, you take the input, you do the process to create the output. That's, that would be true in education, right? Beginning of the school year, and you have a class of, of students, and so I need to know more about these students. I've gotten some information from the school district, and I have went to this course over the summer, and I learned how to teach this thing, and I've got all this input. So now there's going to be lesson plans with objectives, and there's going to be a schedule, and there's going to be assignments, and there's going to be readings, and there's going to be tests, and there's going to be so that at the end of the year, the student can demonstrate competency in the subject. It's a system. The same would be true in healthcare, right? You have information about people, what symptoms are people are experiencing, uh, symptoms from, I mean, information from research and, and pharmaceuticals, and, and then the process of what it means to get better so that they are a healthier person, or even in community health. Same thing. Same would be true in sales. Same would be true in manufacturing. Same would be true. Friends, it's also true in the church. It's also true in the church when we make disciples also true in the church. That we have input, we have the scripture that we read, we have, uh, uh, as United Methodists, we have denominational information, we have pastors that come to churches and staff people that have been trained in their respective roles, we have um, all kinds of other input that we receive, so then we have a process, so then we have, well, we have worship services, and we have Bible studies, and we have a children's ministry and student ministries, and we do submissions, and we do, right, that's all throughput. That's all process. Now, churches in, I'm talking about America. I'm not talking, I'm, this is not personal, by the way. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about churches in America. That we, it's really tempting, and it happens so often, is that, we, is that we, we get to the throughput and we think that's it. That's church. Back in the day when I had uh, supervisory responsibilities and relationships with pastors and churches, uh, I would sometimes meet with a, a group of leaders of a church, and I'd say, so, help, tell me what were some of your accomplishments in the past year? And uh, I remember one time uh, somebody very proudly said, we started two new Bible studies last year. I said, well, that's great. I mean, really, I mean, what, I'm going to say that's a bad thing? Right? <laughs> oh, Bibles. No, I mean, really, that's great. Congratulations, that's great. And then I asked, so what are you hoping to accomplish by adding those two Bible studies? What's, what's, your, what's the outcome desired? What would be the output of adding two new Bible studies? The Bible studies is part of the process. What comes next? See how that works? We gather to be church so that we can go and be church, do church elsewhere. With others, that we would be disciples who can make disciples. So, uh, many years ago, I was um, camp counselor and I was meeting with my small group of, of middle school students. 
and uh, we were trying to talk about what it means to live a Christian life. What does it mean to live a Christian life? And they were, they were struggling to kind of put words to that, and they started to get real literal. And they said, well, I guess you have to pray all the time and read the Bible all the time, and you have to, you know, and, and well, I guess you have to be a pastor. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. I mean, you know, Christians have things to do. You've got to do the laundry, and you've got to go to work, and you've got to go to school. But, so what does it mean to live a Christian life like that? And so, so what we did was I said, okay, think of somebody you know that is, you would think is a really strong Christian. They really got their faith act together. Okay, so what is it about that person that tells you that they have their faith act together? So we made a list, that they're kind, they're generous, they serve, they, you know, okay, great. Now, I said, so what do you think they do every day? How does their day look? Well, they probably pray every day. Okay. Like how long? Well, yeah, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes? Okay. They probably have a prayer list. Okay, yes. They probably read the Bible, maybe, maybe not every day, maybe a couple times a week. Okay. What else? Well, they're, in, they're involved in their church. They don't just go to church, they're involved in their church. Okay, what else? And we made this list. So then I said, okay, so we have these people that you think, you say, seem to be really strong Christians. They evidence their faith. And there are these things that they do in the midst of a normal day. And there's a connection there, yes. And I said, so, in other words, for you to live the Christian life, you would find time that you would pray every day. A couple of times a week, you'd read the Bible. A couple of times, you'd involve yourself in church. You would volunteer at church. You would do different... And, and you could tell the light was coming on with some of them like, oh, it's not some otherworldly thing. It's about incorporating those things into my daily life that are going to show up. The way Paul put it to the Galatians is it's going to show up as like fruit. It'll show up as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It'll show up as being a disciple who makes disciples. So Paul is saying to Timothy, you have seen the life that I've lived. You have heard the words that I've said. You have learned from your mother and from your grandmother the, the, the faith. You have the scripture, which is God-breathed, Paul said. That's inspired by God would literally mean God-breathed scripture. You have those things. This is about the holiness of salvation. It's about the wholeness of salvation. And so, I think that is what we long for all along. An inspired word from God to instruct us, people around us to encourage us, to help us to learn and to grow, and meaningful service with others. So that, as Paul says, the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good Let's pray. God, we're grateful for uh, your love for us, that you so loved us, that you would send the embodiment of what we now would say is the embodiment of the upper story in Jesus, that we understand he came to truly save us, to help make a new life possible for us. And so, God, as we see that lived out in the lives of others, help us to learn from that, help us to be inspired by that, and help us to take the Scripture that we have been looking at now intently for several months to let that story come alive in us in such a way that we truly are different people, so that we would be disciples, followers, and students of Jesus, 
that we would also interact and influence others in such a way that somebody else might also become a student and a follower of Jesus, that we would also make disciples. So God, we pray that your blessing on us as disciples would mean that the blessing would, that we would turn that blessing into helping other people come into right relationship with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.